0: pledged this sorority on a dare. My mother was a sister, so I thought maybe her name and story would protect me from the hazing a little bit, but nobody seems to remember her. So far, this institution of sisterhood and friendship has been all about insults and alcohol poisoning. We're all sitting in this big room around a table with 15 disposable shot glasses filled with the cheapest vodka available, lined up in front of each of us. If I have to drink them all, I'll end up in the hospital. But I can't say no. I know what happens when you say no. Here comes the head bitch in charge, I say to the girl next to me, who shushes me and looks ahead, eagerly smiling. Great. A thin but commanding girl with a sheet of ice-blonde hair and spotless white sneakers stands at the head of the table. Okay, sisters, she says. Now that we're all here, I think it's time to get to know each other a little, don't you? We have all our little pledges lined up and I think they need to show us a little of their social skills. The game is called Two Truths and a Lie. We will go around the room and each girl will make three statements about themselves. Two will be true and one will be a lie. When they're finished, we have to guess which one is the lie. Every time a pledge gets it wrong, they have to drink. Anyone who has to drink all their shots Goes to timeout. Got it? Good. Timeout. That's what they call the room upstairs. They lock you in it if you're too drunk. There's a bathroom connected to it and a single bed. I think it must have been a master bedroom at some point in time. You have to stay in there until you're done being sick. They take your phone so you can't tell anyone what's going on or try to blame the other sisters for your intoxication. Sisters are not allowed to be seen staggering around being sloppy or. Getting sexually assaulted or anything else that might ruin their reputation. Back to the game. I'll start, the blonde says brightly. My name is June, but I was born in September. I hate peanut butter, and all my underwear are pink. Okay, raise your hand if you think the first one is a lie. Okay, the second one. The third. Very good, pledges peanut butter is disgusting and you should keep that greasy mess away from me at all costs. Next? Okay, I got the peanut butter thing right because she wasn't exactly quiet about it. I had been warned not to bring anything with even a whiff of peanut butter on it into the house. But after the first one, I wasn't so lucky. Turns out I'm pretty bad at this game. Seven of my shot glasses were empty by the time it got around to me. And I was feeling them all. Most of the girls had only had to take one or two so I was already sweating. Oh, look, it's our legacy, June said. And, oh dear, she seems to not be doing so well. Alice, do you need to go upstairs? You're clearly not making it till the end and we wouldn't want you to embarrass yourself. No, I say, trying to gather as much clarity as I can muster. I can play. I start thinking about what to say, but I can't get her tone of voice out of my head. I don't understand why all of this has to be so mean. Why is she acting like I've done something to her or that I'm an offensive smell she wants to get rid of? This beautiful, perfect girl doesn't even know me. The alcohol has made me impulsive and angry, I'll admit it, and I forget the rules altogether. Nobody wins at this stupid little game, but that isn't enough for me. I want her to lose. I feel my mother with me. I glance across the room and catch my own reflection in a decorative mirror. My mother, full of youth, sits next to me. I feel her hand on my shoulder, and I know I'm safe. Here goes nothing. My name is Alice. I have two different colored eyes. I wear contacts contact in one of them to even it out. My favorite color is aqua, and my mother died in this building. The room went quiet. June turned to me frostily and said, that's not how you play the game, Alice. Don't try to frighten everyone with this bullshit. Your lie is supposed to be believable. Now play the game right or take the rest of those shots. June crossed her arms and sat back down in her chair. But I was playing a different game now. Adrenaline had sobered me up in seconds. I slid the brown contact out of my one blue eye and flicked it to the ground. It's a genetic abnormality, I say. My mother had it, too. The lights overhead flickered. An empty shot glass spun on its side. Several girls looked over their shoulders, sensing that something was wrong. Drink, you pathetic little attention whore, June shouted, trying to stay in charge. But I knew she was nervous. No, I said, and all the lights in the building went out. She doesn't like you, June, I said. You'd better apologize what? June spat losing confidence by the minute. She doesn't like you, I said as the lights flicked back on to reveal the girls sitting in clumps now clutching each other for safety. Maybe she recognizes you June, I say after a moment. After all, I'm not the only legacy here, am I? Your mother is a sister too, isn't she? That's okay, you don't have to answer. I know she is. She was there when it happened. And guess what? So was I. What are you talking about? June asked, growing more confused and angry by the minute. They couldn't admit to having a pregnant sister, I said, unraveling my horrible tale. It wasn't the image they cultivated here. So one night, after the rest of the sisters had gone to bed, your mother went into my mother's room and told her she had a phone call. There was only one phone at the time, a payphone located in a phone booth in the basement. My mother was confused. Who could be calling at this hour? She wondered. It must be an emergency. Your mother told her. Better go quick, she said, watching my mother spring up from the bed as fast as her swollen belly would allow and silently following her a few steps behind. My mother ran to the basement door and threw it open, but when she did, She noticed it was completely dark down there and said, how did you answer the phone without any lights on? But by this point, it was too late. Your mother placed her foot on the small of my mother's back and pushed. She thought the fall would force her to lose her baby, but that's not what happened. The stairs were wood and the floor concrete. My mother tumbled all the way down and immediately began to bleed internally. The panic from the fall sent her into labor and I was delivered alone two weeks early in the dark on the basement floor in this building. The next morning when an unsuspecting freshman went down to make a phone call, she found me alive and my mother dead. That never happened and you know it, June said with quiet intensity. Oh, but it did, I replied. The basement was locked up immediately after. The papers said it was a horrible accident and the women in charge of this chapter didn't want the same fate befalling any other girls. I was quietly taken away and given to my grandmother. Since then, no one has touched the basement, not even the police, but it's exactly the same. The bloodstains are still on the concrete floor. The old phone booth sits collecting dust. Sometimes at night, you can still hear it ringing. That's ridiculous, June interrupted. What do you think this is, an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark?" With that, the metallic disembodied ring of an old payphone sprang from the floorboards. Go ahead, June, I said. I think it's for you. June stormed to her feet, looking for the long-sealed basement door. You're full of shit, you fucking troll, she said. Oh, you'll need this, I say, passing her a crowbar as the lights flickered furiously from above. June found the door and pried open the ancient rusty locks, then flipped a switch that was seemingly connected to a single swinging light bulb. But of course it didn't work. From the basement, you could see the light from the phone booth glowing yellow in the corner. June peered through the doorway propelled by only false bravado and spite. You can't see anything from there, I said. Never to be bested, June took a step through the door, bending forward to look down the stairs. I gave her one swift kick to the small of the back, and she went down head first, hitting every step on the way before landing in an 18-year-old rust-colored mark on the concrete floor. I turned around facing the girls who were looking on in horror, picked up the crowbar and said, I hate aqua. They froze in horror. Some girls were crying, some were shaking. Now run. I said, as all the lights went out. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we we would be dead. dead. Leslie. Hey, Hallie. Hey, fiends. So as you will notice, this week's episode is not about the disappearance and untimely death of Jeanette De Palma. Uh, And with good reason. We were going to do it this week, but we were lucky enough to secure an interview with Jesse Pollock, the author of the book and subsequent podcast, Death on the Devil's Teeth, which is all about Jeanette and her disappearance and mysterious death. Now, Jesse, who also writes for Weird New Jersey and makes documentary films in the free time, I don't understand how he has. Yeah, same. I was like, what? Jesse, what is your life? (laughs) We'll find out about it soon. He has spent years of his life with a couple other of the guys from Weird New New Jersey researching this case. Like, they've talked to everyone. Mm -hmm. And in a month's time, he is releasing a second edition of the book Death on the Devil's Teeth with a whole lot more information in it. Which is wild because the first book has so much information already. I know. Already. The first book is great. But I'm going to tell you guys, wait and buy the new book because you're going to want that. Um, but being the good egg that he is, Jesse did let us know that maybe we should wait on our coverage on Jeanette. As his new book has stuff that we're really going to want to read in it. He <laughs> kept pushing it. It's
1: like, you might want to wait.
0: Got, you guys really <laughs> should wait. So we're going to trust him because he knows way more about this than yeah. we do. And so we will wait. But the case is coming, and I can't wait for us all to like toast the release of his new book and really get into this case. It's a fascinating case, and being able to talk to someone who is that closely connected to it and has done that much research is really cool. So, and I really, um, I've, I've chatted with Jesse off and on, like, getting this together, and he's great, and I really like talking to him, and I think you guys are going to, like, really enjoy this, uh, this interview. So, we're going to be patient. And we're going to wait till the end of September when his new book comes out. Fine. Right. I know. I guess we just have to wait. Um, in the meantime, you can listen to his podcast version of Death on the Devil's Teeth if you want to get caught up on where the story is as of right now. Also very good. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. We can
1: put a link to that in this week's show notes. Good idea. We will do that.
0: With that little serendipitous monkey wrench in our life, we were left empty-handed this week, but... Yet again, I think that everything happens for a reason. And Leslie and I have been talking about sharing our Two Truths and a Lie original Campfire Stories episode, like the stories we told with all of you guys here on the main feed for like over a year. We keep saying those stories were so good, we Mm -hmm. have to put it on a main episode. So this week, you guys are going to get a really good time. Yeah. (laughs) They're so fun. These stories were originally told, I think almost two years ago at yeah. this point. They were the they were like in September of our first year. Uh, so some of you guys might remember them. And if you do, just don't give it away. Right. Basically. And enjoy hearing them again. Cause I enjoyed reading them again. And I can't wait to hear yours again. You and I both had to look up we which did. ones was were a lie. Fake. Yeah. yeah. We I totally forgot. And I read them and I was like, oh, this I is don't not remember. revealing. <laughs> None of these are obviously untrue to yeah, me. These all sound really fake. Equally. I know, <laughs> these all sound equally yeah. ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. Basically. Mine are, at least. I felt, I kind of remember yours being
0: like very intense. <laughs> uh, some of them are. Yeah. But if you know which one is fake, don't spoil the twist. And speaking of twists. Oh. My daughter had her show this week. Yes. Which was so amazing, and I love watching her on stage. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But after all of that time and crazy energy, I feel a little twisted myself. Mm -hmm. And not in, like, the cool, spooky way. More in the, you look like a haunted tree from an old Disney movie (laughs) kind of way. I like that, though. Thank you. It's all creased and gnarly, like, perpetually moaning at nothing. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. It's a bad look. And I've tried to cure it multiple times with, like, quippy jokes and maybe the hearts of a wayward huntsman. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Or
0: just one heart. Maybe they have several hearts. We don't know. It could be
1: the doctor, Doctor Who. He has several hearts. He has two hearts. Bless
0: him. Yeah. Good for him. Maybe it's him. We don't know. But none of that worked. So I think we should try another little antidote. And this one is much easier and less bloody, too. We just need a couple drops of... Validation. A hill we're dying on. That's right. And wouldn't you know it? The only people in the whole world that can help us with that are our very own fiends. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it works out really
1: well. Right. How lucky are we? Pretty lucky.
0: So simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. And everyone wants us to move forward, right? Yeah. Like I said, backwards is never good. No, it's not. Of course I'm right, because more ratings and more reviews mean more opportunities. And more opportunities mean more content, which is actually what we all want, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't want to wait for more We Would Be Dead in Your Life, you can support us over on Patreon there for just a little monthly donation patrons get access to our weekly video after show host mortem always fun and it is now available on both video and just the audio format for those of you who prefer a more pod, a traditional podcast feel for your content or if you don't have time to be looking at faces i get it yeah it's fine <laughs> maybe you don't register faces
1: maybe you don't maybe we you just look like weird all. creepy blobs
0: i look like that anyway it's fine (laughs) that's actually what we look like we're lucky for you guys (laughs) and if you get access to it you can see (laughs) you'll also get access to all of our extra mini-sodes the whole catalog of 30-minute horror movies special gifts in the mail from us giveaways an on-air toast dedicated just to you and more and if all of that is too much for you you can simply follow us on social media we are at would-be-debt pod everywhere and anywhere You can like our content, share our content, like and share our content. Mm. You can post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell your pool boy. Mm. summertime. There's pools about. Sure. I mean, everyone has a pool boy, right? (laughs) I would think so. I I hope so. Leslie, what what is this pool boy's name?
1: Mm.
0: Armando. Ooh. I like it. I know an Armando. He's fabulous. Yes. Then your friends and Armando can become fiends and we can all hang out together. All right. I think that is actually all I have for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? Just thinking about Armando cleaning that pool. Yeah. Last week we learned about hummingbirds. We got all
1: excited. I know. Pulling the leaves out of the gutter.
0: (laughs) You're still thinking about it. (laughs) All right then. (laughs) On with the show. So tonight's episode will be a little different. It's based on the super fun icebreaker game, Two Truths and a Lie. And honestly, no icebreakers are ever fun and they should all be stopped immediately. Oh my God, it's so terrifying. I just got hives thinking about it. They make me so nervous.
1: I truly hate them. Like, it took us so long to put these together. So to be asked on the spot is like, I I don't know whatever
0: I'm going to do. I don't even like the ones where they're like, go around in the circle and say your favorite ice cream. I'm like, what's ice cream? I know. I don't... How do I pick a favorite? What if I pick one and then it's not actually my favorite and I go somewhere with somebody and they're like, you love mint chocolate chip. And I'm like, it was the pressure. (laughs) I can't handle any of it. But this particular game serves our purposes pretty well so it can stay. Leslie and I will each be telling you three short stories today, two of which are true and one is a lie. Mm -hmm. At the end, we'll have to guess which stories were lies. Now, because this isn't live, What we're going to do is give you a point in the episode where if you'd like to play along, you can press pause and put your guess in the comments of um, social media feeds that we will devote to just this. So there will be feeds on Facebook and Instagram and in the Facebook group that say, like, put your guesses here. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about your guesses with one another if you like, but then we'll have a separate feed with the answers. So there are no spoilers anywhere. So this week, there's two social media feeds for you to look at. Oh, so we aren't telling them? On the episode? No, oh, I guess we will. I wrote that without thinking. Hmm. hmm. Should we tell them or not? Um, this is a snap decision. Oh, my goodness.
1: Maybe we can have, like, a skip ahead 10 seconds or what is it? Well, my
0: thought was um, that we would want to talk about this, that people yeah. would want to comment. And if we had two feeds and they just wanted to talk about it, they could go over to the other right. one.
1: Well, what if we just talk about it um, at the end of the episode? You and I could like decide. Like, we'll I do have pick. a pause. I do have okay. a pause
0: here to put your guess in. Okay. So you can pause there and do all the chatting, pre-chatting you want. Okay. And then when after you hear the answers, you can go over to the other feed and talk about the answers and how utterly shocked you are at yeah, which one right. was a lie. As we will be, too, because... <laughs> uh-huh. I just wanted to create one that's a spoiler-free zone. So if yeah. you're guessing, do not talk about if you got it right or wrong in that feed. Let everybody just list their guesses. Because then you can go look and be like, wow, well, a lot of people agreed with me, or oh, shit, I was on an island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it fun for all of us. So for sure. Let's, okay. We're going to do it that way. Uh, and it'll be more clear in our socials this week. I'll make sure that I yeah map that out nicely.
1: We'll be more prepared than we are right now.
0: Ah, yeah. (laughs) Skip ahead and we'll be prepared. (laughs) Will we? Who knows? That's the fun. So these stories are so interesting, though, that even the lies have a lot of facts in them. Uh We both used like a very firm like skeletal structure for our fake stories. So it is going to be fun to talk about that as well. So get in the game, you guys. Let's all talk about it. Let's do this. Um, There are just a few rules before we jump in, but they are all basically adding up to this. Do not be a (laughs) buzzkill. Don't do it. Don't be a dick is the moral of the story. If you know for a fact that a story is true, don't go put it on our socials or post on the Facebook group about it. Likewise, if you know for an absolute fact that a story is fake, don't call that one out either. Feel free to chat in the appropriate feeds, guessing or answering, and ask questions if you have any. You can throw them out to us and we'll answer them wherever we can. Um. Just don't give away the ending before it's time. Be advised that some of these may be a little bit light on the details so as not to make it super obvious as to which one is true and which one is false. I'm really bad at that, but whatever. So, without further ado, Leslie, do you want to start us off? I would love to. Let's hear some stories.
1: Two truths and a lie. So, Holly... Most of us can agree that animals are better than people. They are. But sometimes we catch animals doing some questionable things that have us thinking, if they were human, we would call the damn cops and they would be in jail. (laughs) Goddamn animals, (laughs) get them in jail. And sometimes we do call the cops on animals, like if a dog bit your child or is barking too loud after 10 p.m. at night. Call the damn cops. But even then, we are really calling the cops... Not on the animals, but on its owner. Yeah. Yeah. Even if someone was looking to get an animal in legal trouble, we can't bring an animal into a courtroom and expect it to represent itself. That would be ridiculous, right? That would be great. Well, if history has taught us anything, it's that sometimes we do ridiculous things. (gasps) I'm so excited. We have plenty of recorded cases of animals in the courtroom most occurring in Europe during the Middle Ages between the 13th and 18th centuries. When they were just bringing all their animals to court. Yep. <laughs> but some even as recent as 2015. What? I know. That's wild. <laughs> all kinds of creatures, from farm animals to insects, face the possibility of criminal charges. The earliest record of an animal trial is the execution of a pig in 1266 at O Roses. I don't know. It's French.
0: You're <laughs> going to France. R- roses. <laughs> you now have to learn how to I pronounce these.
1: I know. I can't wait for a French speaker to be like, that was
0: rough. <laughs> <laughs> We're so bad at French, you guys. I can do a lot of like Eastern European and stuff, but the French stuff, I'll yeah. oh, fail every time. <laughs> I got to get back in the swing of things. <laughs> You'll get there.
1: It was customary for animal defendants to appear before both church and crown courts, and the offenses against them ranged from murder to criminal damage. Human witnesses. They're animals. Yeah. Human witnesses were often called to the stand, and animals were routinely provided lawyers in religious courts. No. Mm -hmm. If convicted, the animal was usually exiled or sentenced to death. It's just like, get out of here, you. (laughs)
0: Just living its life in like the next town, Go like away, under a different and never name. Never come back. Right. they have an assumed name. They yeah. just stayed there. Yeah. They wear like little animal glasses now and they like
1: Yeah. It's just like a cow had to like walk off and he's like, I'm now living as a donkey. Justly, some animals were able to win their freedom through the legal process. <laughs> Such was the luck of a female donkey who was acquitted of charges of bestiality in <gasps> seventeen fifty. Not Eliza Doolittle. No. Witnesses came forward and spoke to the donkey's virtue and good behavior. However, her human co-defendant was not so lucky and was sentenced to death. So the one who was like actually doing the bestiality. Don't fuck a donkey. Yeah. We have had these conversations before. I know, but like I just feel bad that the female donkey was like almost put to death for her like wild behavior. Well, that's (laughs) what happens to females. I know.
0: It's her fault. She was just looking too good that day. Really slutty. She had nothing on. I know. It's ridiculous. Eliza.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not Eliza. That's a sweet thing. Mm-hmm. So I have three stories for you today. All three may seem to be fake, but I assure you, two of these tales are true and one is a lie. So I'm just going to go in order okay. of the years. Yeah, right, that Give us the easiest. Chronological order. Yeah. Perfect. Our first story takes place in the year 1508 in Ooh. a small town of Autun, France. The villagers there were beginning to get frustrated. You see, someone or something was destroying their barley crops. Not the barley crops! The villagers soon realized that rats were behind the destruction. Rats! The rats had stumbled upon the barley crops one day, and the smell drew them in. They tried a little taste and realized it was so delicious, and couldn't believe there were fields of this stuff just out in the open for any old rat to enjoy. Mm, barley crops! (laughs) <laughs> the villagers nicely told the rats to stay away from their crops, but the rats just could not get enough. Wait, they were like, excuse
0: me, rats. Will you yes. please stay away yeah, from my they crops? they were
1: just like, guys, you, this is like affecting our business and our livelihoods. Like, you have other food, we'll feed you other things. And like, the rats weren't reasonable? They weren't. They were like, we just, they were They were addicted. rats, you mean? They were <laughs> okay. addicted. They had problems. Ooh, barley crops. The villagers were fed up with the inconsiderateness of the rats and, okay. and placed proclamations at every crossroad, requiring the rats to attend an Episcopal court assembled to hear the villagers raise their complaints against the rats. We're assuming rats can read? Well, they put it up.
0: <sighs> and Just in like, case.
1: Yeah. To everyone's surprise, the rats did not show up. Except for Holly's. <laughs> Holly was not surprised. No. <laughs> and this was serious as the rats were up against the Catholic Church in facing excommunication. So we're also assuming that they're Catholic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're putting a lot on these rats. Yeah. We need the Pied Piper of Hamlin to come in. Right. So you
1: would think if you were facing excommunication, that you would make your like some time in your day to defend yourself. Of course. Everyone in the village was baffled in the surely would have made the rats look very bad, right?
0: Why are we giving the rats so much credit right now? <laughs>
1: well, fortunately, because of the seriousness of the trial, Bartholomew Chaznes, or that's also a French name that I'm making very Americanized right now. I like that it's Chaznes. Chas, Chasnez. hmm He was a young criminal lawyer and had decided to take the rats case pro bono. He was just like, it's okay, he you didn't, know what?
0: I got this for you guys. He didn't ask them to pay.
1: No, he was just oh. like, I really, he was a young lawyer, and he was just like, I could do this.
0: I should put can- this on my resume.
1: Yeah. Okay. When the rats did not appear, Chasnay pointed out to the court that the summons was invalid anyway because his clients were not like pack animals, but they, they like to live alone, meaning that each one of his clients would need to be served with a summons individually.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> of course, thought the villagers. We can't be rude and address them all as they, though they are the same
1: thing, right? They they all they don't all hang out together. They all live in separate places. Right? They all have their own rat holes. They, they all come out <laughs> to like eat the barley at different times. It's just this not is fair. wild. I mean, we didn't see the the pizza rat with like a whole gang of rats that were eating the pizza. It was just one pizza rat in the subway. Just the one. He's very famous. Yeah. So a summons was placed in the churches in all of the neighboring towns. They even placed them at ground level for the rats to see. Yeah. I mean, you can't put them up high. No. What are the rats doing up there? Exactly. So to cover their bases, they also had someone outside of these churches preaching the summons for all to hear. There was no way the rats would miss their trial date now. Don't be trying so to say just you like, can't read. If, yeah, if you can't read, we're like, we're spewing it, yeah, you know? listen, just listen. listen, you fucking rats. The day of the trial was finally upon them, and the villagers and Chazinez, I think, patiently waited for the rats to appear. But they never did. And after some time, the prosecuting lawyers accused the rats of being in contempt of court. Okay. Chazinez, being a quick thinker and a good lawyer, argued that his clients did not show up because they feared for their safety. He was like, oh, of course they aren't here. If the rats had traveled to court, they would be faced with cats and dogs and hostile villagers.
0: Why are there cats and dogs in the court? No, on their way. Oh, on their way. Okay. To court. Sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant
1: like at the court. No. So on there. Yeah. And people were mad at them. They were like they'd kill these things. Yeah. So it is a rule of law in France that if an accused cannot be assured of personal safety in attending upon a court to answer charges, they ought not to be held to the requirement to attend at all costs to themselves and may be excused from obeying the citation. So if they can't make it there safely, they don't have to be there. Okay,
0: fair. That's fair to the.
1: And we kind of do that now. Like, we get, we're we not going to bring somebody to court and it not be safe. Like, we tried to make sure that they're going to make it there alive.
0: Of course. Of
1: course. Of course. Yeah. The courts heard this and they began throwing out ideas of other venues to hold court that would be safe. But everyone agreed that the rats would face the same deadly perils. They were like, Ugh, this is, we don't know where mm-hmm. to take them. This is right. rough. Mm-hmm. So all of this befuddled the judge, who decided to postpone the trial until they could figure something else
0: out. I don't blame the judge. I'd be like, I gotta, maybe another time. I have to go. This This is so much. Am I drunk? What's happening?
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, though, we do not have the record of the final decision, but most lawmakers have assumed that the rats were acquitted. Yeah. (laughs) On account of being a rat. Right. That'll do it. It will. I just love the idea of like the little proclamation signs on ground level for them to like see. That
0: and that a bunch of serious legal conversations happened under the assumption that rats understood them.
1: Yeah. I'm telling you though, this is like across the board. This is what they were doing. They had pigs in there. They had donkeys. They had cows. Oh, boy. They boy, insects. They do this with insects. I mean, they're like the mosquitoes. Imagine if we could take The mosquitoes to trial for, like, all of our bites.
0: Be great. I mean, I need some monies. I would love to win (laughs) money for mosquito bites, but I would be like, how would I know which one bit
1: me? All of them. They're all in on it. Oh, no.
0: All right. So that was story number
1: one. It was a good one. Story number two. We're going to head over to Canada. So, Ontario is a beautiful province in east-central Canada that borders the U.S. and the Great Lakes. In the early 1980s, Ontario was campaigning for their provincial bird. The Canada Goose won the vote, beating out the mute swan and common loon, who was a close second.
0: Oh, the majestic Canada Goose.
1: Yeah. Ontarians were proud of their Canada Goose, though those feelings changed in the spring of 1986. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. On April 23rd, just before breakfast, Charlotte Tremblay, I think, Tremblay is how you would say it. Charlotte Tremblay walked to the Victoria Park with her sister and two children, six-month-old twins, Leah and Anna. And a side note, so the parents originally thought that they were having one girl, and they planned to name her Leanne. So when they were surprised with the second girl, they
0: decided to, like, split Just the names. cut out. it in half. Yeah. That's economy for you. It's
1: adorable. Mm-hmm.
0: Be efficient you got to be one thing to be a fish. We are in Canada. You <laughs> sure <I> are.
1: <laughs> After walking off most of their breakfast, they sat down on a bench in the community garden to take in the great weather while their baby, while not there because it's her sister, while the baby snapped. Huh. So here's what I can gather from the news articles about what the scene looked like at this point. The twins are in a wide stroller cuddled next to each other with like a light blanket wrapped around each.
0: Cute. And
1: just the top of the stroller is up to block the sun. Charlotte was sitting on the bench and is facing, like, towards the center, towards her sister, discussing whatever. And then she has, like, her hand on the stroller of the handlebar and is just kind of, like, pushing it back and but forth. But not looking,
0: right? Yeah, she's okay. not
1: looking at the stroller, but she just has a kind of, like—
0: I can see it in my like, head now. Yeah,
1: she's, like, mm-hmm. gossiping with, like, a coffee in one hand, stroller bar in the we other, just, like, rocking it back and forth, keeping mm-hmm. those babies
0: asleep. Sleep babies. I yeah. need this chat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So this area of the park was pretty low-key at this time in the morning, so the sisters were enjoying the quiet and calmness when they spotted a Canada goose fly past them with what looked like a balled-up towel. Startled, Charlotte and her sister questioned what they just saw and continued to stare at the goose as it flapped and ran away out of the garden. It wasn't until a young woman jogging in the park yelled, Oh my God, that goose has a baby. No! So, Charlotte shot up and checked her stroller to find only one child in it. Oh, no. They were the same. It's fine. It's fine. She was like, maybe I did only have one girl. Is like double vision? (laughs) Oh, my God. A head injury? (laughs) Lucky for us, I'm down one. We're good. Okay. It's fine. I still have this one. Um, No, but seriously. So, she just ran off like... Uh, she started chasing this goose at this point, I like immediately. Her screaming at it, she would. Yeah, she ran off screaming. Charlotte ran as fast as she could while her sister stayed with the other baby and called the police. The jogger's scream alerted other patrons in the park, and several of them went chasing after the goose as well. So now she's got like a, some help. So we're all just <laughs> running after a goose. Yeah, geese can be mean too. So there is a reason why we have the term a wild goose chase. Oh, tell geese me. Geese are fast and quick and apparently hungry for babies. <laughs> <laughs> they need their baby's
0: blood too. Yeah. They, can you tell which geese are old and which are not? Yes. No, I can't. Well, it keeps them looking young. That's true. Babies. You're right. It's, it's the, the, the blood babies. of babies. I know. I know it is.
1: All right. So the baby proved to be a bit heavier than the Canada goose imagined, which yeah. caused the goose to mostly just be, like, running away and then trying to, like, jump in the air every so often to try to get off the ground. That but, like, really couldn't. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. So everyone was trying their best to catch up to the goose and trap it by surrounding it. And the police arrived to aid in the chase as well as an ambulance in case anyone got injured and to check out the baby once saved, hopefully. 20 minutes later, in over a mile of running around, Charlotte, two policemen, the jogger, and two other park patrons surrounded the goose who admitted defeat and let go of the baby and flew away.
0: (laughs) I surrender, you guys. This is not my baby. (laughs) I thought I might get away with it.
1: So one of the EMTs was closely behind and stepped in quickly to check out the baby, which Charlotte confirmed was Anna. Okay. EMTs found several deep cuts on her body and Ooh. bruises on her back, and they suspected, like, they suspect the bruises were just from her, like, being dropped slightly. Luckily, after getting checked out and patched up, Anna was relatively unharmed and only needed a couple stitches.
0: For the rest of her life, those scars will be like, I know, I know. you're the goose That's baby. That's what I was imagining. I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. The
1: one with the scars is the goose baby. She's only, like, a year younger than, or older than me, so, like, she's out there somewhere. You go with find some, the goose baby. Yeah. While Charlotte stayed with the EMTs and gave a statement to police, the other people who helped with the chase went looking for the bird. Oh, no, they wanted blood. Yeah. Over the next few days, wanted posters with a photo of the Canada goose in no. question, taken with a disposable camera by one of the people in the park, were placed around the whole town. After five days of searching... All a- geese look the same! Oh. <laughs> After five days of searching, a goose was brought in that they believed to be the same goose on account that it was found lurking near a two-year-old in another park several blocks away. Had shifty goose eyes, and they were like, it's you. you. (laughs) The town people demanded a trial. They wanted justice for baby Anna
0: goose also had a T-shirt on that said "I eat babies." They yeah. were like, "It's probably it's that one, that
1: one. It's <laughs> that one, for sure." He's like, "I'm just a hipster. Get He's it on like, the trend." No, trick. I don't. I got it on the boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a smoker voice. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the police then called Charlotte into the police station to review what what had happened for their records while there, the sheriff asked if she could confirm that the goose they had in custody was the same one. Charlotte pretty confused by this question asked what look at his shirt. It's pretty obvious. (laughs) The sheriff escorted Charlotte to a room where the, where the goose was being held. He asked her again if this was the same goose and if she would like to press charges. Listen. She thought they were kidding, but yeah. the sheriff said, this is an unusual situation and the town people want someone to answer for it. So it was kind of like, the town it's just like, not the maybe this isn't the right goose. and Like, we're just going to execute a goose or something. Yeah. So Charlotte could not be certain this was the same goose. She later said in an interview that, I don't know how I was supposed to be able to tell if this was the same goose or not. It's not like it tensed up when I entered the room or something.
0: Hey, I was like, Rrr. we're friends. It's fine. I
1: don't need babies. She's like, but yes, of course, it looks like the same goose. They all look the fucking same. So against the sheriff's advice, Charlotte decided not to press charges. The sheriff was like, come on, I think Get you really need to. Get that fucking goose. The locals were surprised but understood that Charlotte didn't feel comfortable charging a bird she couldn't be certain was the same one. I they feel like, for it's her. Fair.
0: Yeah. It's okay. You it can't be like just throwing accusations around willy-nilly. It's not fair. Uh-huh. I wish
1: they would do that with like other…
0: Humans? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm.
1: So, the people of Ontario never forgot this horrific event. Over the next few years, a small protest arose to dethrone the Canada goose as Ontario's provincial bird. And in 1994, oh, no. the people's voices were finally heard, and the common loon became the <gasps> official provincial bird of Ontario. No. hmm Wild.
0: Thrown in the Canada goose. Yeah. Majestic Canada goose.
1: All right. Now, let's head over to Macedonia. Let's go there. Let's go there. It's okay. really fun, right? I bet you can pronounce all the names there. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, where in 2007, a bear trespassed on Zoran, Keslowski's property. (laughs) What did I tell
0: you? (laughs) Zoran. I'm not grilling you on pronunciation this week because one of them you wrote yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Zoran is a
1: local beekeeper who found the bear disturbing the bees and eating his honey. (gasps) We need to poo. Zoran told the bear to get out and never come back but the bear would not be deterred. Why is everyone telling animals like you better go? I mean, it's what they gotta do at first. It's the nice, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like if you had a robber, you're just like, please leave. And then when he doesn't, well, shit your pants. <laughs> step two. <Yeah>. So <laughs> night after night, the bear returned for that sweet, sticky honey. Ew. <laughs> Zoran decided that if Pooh Bear wasn't going to listen to reason, that he better come up with another plan. So Zoran bought a generator and lit up the entire area around the bees and played loud Serbian turbo folk music.
0: Oh, you got to get him stuck in a tree. Yeah. Haven't Uh, you
1: read a one book? Well, whatever he read. So later, Zoran told reporters that I tried to distract the bear with lights and music because I heard bears are afraid of that. (laughs) So he read something. Yeah, we're all afraid of that. And this worked for several weeks. But then the generator ran out of power, and the music fell silent, and Pooh returned, and he was angry. Yeah, Yeah, that was annoying for a while there. He attacked the beehives, killing many of the bees in the process. Well, they didn't do anything. Zoran was mortified and finally called the damn cops, upset that he even tried to handle this on his own. Just like, so many people are dead. So many bees are dead because of me, because I just wanted to handle this on my own.
0: Had I been able to ask for help, those bees might still be alive. Exactly. And no one in my neighborhood guilt. would have needed two weeks of Serbian folk music.
1: Don't we all need a little Serbian folk music? I don't know, maybe. Serbian turbo folk music. John,
0: can you find us some of that and yeah. play it somewhere? Because Add I have no in. idea what it sounds like. Yeah. Should Is we the... find it? Should we actually listen to a minute of it? Okay. Hold on. I'll put it on. Serbian turbo. Serbian turbo. Wait, that's right. I'm not going to Google it. What if you made this up and you're now forced to find something? This is great. I hope this is the lie and that you (laughs) are wildly scrambling right
1: now. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, this is five reasons why Turbo Folk music is great. Okay, hold on. There
0: is a chance that this is totally fake. (laughs) I can't stop thinking about that.
1: Oh, I like it. <laughs> okay. It's good. I'm on board
0: with it. I, I'm i surprised that it deterred the bear, though. I'd be... The bear should have been out there, like, dancing and having a great time. Yeah. Eating all the honey. That's what I thought. It makes me want to eat more honey.
1: I know. All right. So, police came out to Zoran's property and searched for the bear, but he was long gone. <laughs> He was like, Popo's a- coming. I'm on. Scatter. <laughs> oh, God. Zoran sued the bear and prepared to go to trial.
0: <laughs> Just picture oh him getting Set up his suit, suit on, on. Yep. his briefcase. I'm off the trial. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and while the bear remained a fugitive, a trial was held, and the city of Bitola found the bear guilty of trespassing, stealing, Property destruction and murder. (gasps) Murder. The bear was ordered to pay $3,500 in damages.
0: Where is he going to get
1: that from? However, the whereabouts of the bear are still unknown. Luckily, the courts ordered the state to pay Zoran for the damages because the bear had no known owner for Zoran to actually go after. There's a wild bear and that even if they found the bear it would probably it probably didn't have its own bank account probably not i really. mean they would just were assuming so Although, it could have.
0: winnie the pooh is probably pretty rich yeah so i
1: definitely. bet you he had a lot of bees he was keeping too
0: dead ass bees
1: yeah so if the bear ever does show its face again Mm It will not be thrown in jail as he belongs to a protective species, though. So Mm. that's nice Mm. in the area. They're they're all protective over Mm. there. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I don't really know why he's still hiding if he won't even have to go to jail for this.
0: I don't know. Should borrow that I eat baby shirt from the goose. He's just posing as a goose now. Yep. (laughs) I'm a goose. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> rawr, rawr. Wait, squawk, squawk. <laughs> what a goose to say. <laughs> Grow. I hate honey. Ew, it's gross. Give me some babies. <laughs> I mean, bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some babies. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's the three stories. Oh, boy. All right, keep them in your mind. And once I tell mine, we'll have Leslie like one sentence hers so you can remember which one is which and then you can guess. Oh, one sentence mine. Just scare! I'm getting hives. Just like a couple words. Like this one was about uh, the rats. Yeah, yeah, I know. And in my mind, they're all wearing T-shirts that say I eat babies now. And they're all together. Like, this is all about it. If I was a graphic designer, that would be the cover for this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: I'll work on it. Get
0: on that list.
1: <laughs> I got it.
0: Perfect. All right. I guess then it is my turn. Mine are not this whimsical. <laughs> when we wrote this, you were like whimsical and I was like, how about some real grizzly shit?
1: I know. Yours are like real disturbing. Okay.
0: So let's change um, direction for a okay. moment.
1: Two truths and a lie.
0: All right, my first story takes us over to jolly old England. But surprise, the names still aren't easy to pronounce. Mm. Mm-hmm, nothing's ever easy. On a warm June night in 1980, a 56 year old coal miner named Zygmunt Adamski, known to everyone as Ziggy, so nice. OG Pod Dog loved this story. Aww. Yeah. Uh so he walked out the front door of his home in Tingley, England. I would love to be like I live in Tingley, England. So- <laughs> I thought that was like just a description of the no. weather. <laughs> no, the name of the town is Tingley. Okay. Um but he walked out the front door of his house and never returned. Oh, Tingley for any of our or if I'm if maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong but that's Tingley? how it's that. I don't know. Tingley? Maybe. For any of our UK listeners keeping track, um, this town is located apparently near another town called Wakefield. I don't know where that is either, but you might, so there you go. Or if you know that's a lie, shut your mouth. (laughs) Ziggy had departed his home on foot on the evening of June 6, 1980. He was supposed to be walking the short distance into town to get some groceries and other household items from the local shops, an activity that he did quite often. But this time, he didn't come back. After it grew dark, Ziggy's wife began to get worried and did the exact right thing. She called the damn cops. Or in nicer language, she reported the incident to local authorities, stating that she thought her husband may have been kidnapped. Authorities and friends and family searched high and low for Ziggy all night long, but to no avail. Five days pass. no Ziggy. Then a curious phone call comes into the local police station. A man who lived 20 miles away from Ziggy's home had gone out to his father's coal yard and discovered a body lying gingerly on top of a 10-foot pile of coal. The body was completely free of soot and looked as though it had not been resting there for very long. Gingerly, Yes, gingerly. The man told the police that it was the body of a man dressed in a suit but with no shirt. Oh. Yeah. This uh, big... kind of hot. Big (laughs) fashion choice. I know, I was like... Was he a stripper or (laughs) I don't know. This big choice wasn't the only odd thing about this scene. I mean, it's a dude laying on top of a pile of coal, but it does get a lot weirder. The man that called the police went on to say that it looked as though the body had been badly burned and that his clothing looked as though it had been like haphazardly put back on, Hmm. which of course would have meant that it was removed first at some point in time. He was on coals though, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Not like fiery coals, oh, just coals. Okay. Just coals. Yeah. The caller also told police that he would never forget the look on the body's face as long as he lived. You want to know what it looked like? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Come on. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was, he was wearing a shirt that said, I eat baby. Um, he said he was shirtless. Ah, <laughs> uh, That was the twist. No. <laughs> the, the body's eyes were wide open and his mouth hung agape it looked as though he had been quite literally scared to death. So he had this like ghastly grimace on his face. Police were immediately on their way to the scene. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? When they got there, they were able to tell pretty quickly that sure enough, it was the body of missing local man, Zygmunt Adamski. Oh, how did he get there? Who knows? And the man who found him had been pretty accurate in his description. But things got even stranger. First, the body was resting atop a. 10-foot pile of coal, as I said. And yet, the pile had not been disturbed anywhere. Usually, climbing such a thing would have caused it to, like, crumble and tumble in places so it would look kind of messed up. There'd be footholds in it and stuff. But nothing like that had happened. It was perfect, just like all the other ones. Also, if a person were to climb a 10-foot mound of coal themselves, even if they had a ladder and then lay down on top of it, they would generally be pretty dirty. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you have ever been around charcoal in any way. I assume most of you have, maybe in a grill or an art set. Who knows? Or a warehouse where you make soap with charcoal. Mm -hmm. That's also (laughs) an option. Uh, Anyway, those of us who have experienced it firsthand know that that shit gets everywhere immediately.
1: Everywhere. I take it out of my nose constantly I'm sure you do.
0: And you can't just brush it off. It like smears on you and then you're like covered in black stuff. But Ziggy's body was completely clean. No smears, no smudge, no dust, no nothing.
1: Wild.
0: I know. Accurate, again, to the man's description, the body was dressed as though it had been dressed in, like, a real hurry. So the suit and the shoes were there, but no shirt. And the clothing that had made its way onto his body was on wrong. Like, the jacket was buttoned incorrectly. Like, it was two buttons off, so Mm -hmm. it was all weird. And the pants weren't buttoned at all. They looked like Mm -hmm. they had just been pulled on him and left there and his wristwatch and wallet were both missing. The face, though, the man who had found him really wasn't kidding. It really was quite a sight, frozen in fixed, wide-eyed, open-mouthed gaze of horror. So that was a terrible sentence. Sorry, guys. So Ziggy (laughs) laid there as though the last thing he saw was not a pleasant one. Mm. So the police knew immediately that this was the body of Zygmunt Adamski because even though some stuff was weird, he still looked exactly as he looked. He wasn't different. But what everyone was wondering now was what happened to him and how did he end up this far away from home? Because he was on foot, 20 miles away. Yeah. Ziggy was then taken to the coroner's office for a complete autopsy, and they determined that a heart attack had ultimately been his cause of death. But what had led up to that event was indeed curious. As I mentioned earlier, Ziggy had somehow acquired some very strange burns. They were on the back of his head, his arms, and upper torso, and had been covered in a thick gelatinous ointment. No, It was like light green color, too. It was like a weird salve. Technicians and medical examiners had never seen an ointment like this before, so they sent samples down to their lab. But the lab ran a lot of tests on this mysterious ointment and could not determine what it was. Hmm. Also, while Ziggy had been missing for five days, his body only exhibited one day's worth of beard growth, and his hair had been roughly cut quite short. And it was determined that Ziggy's time of death was just a few hours before he was placed atop that pile of coal. Not only that, but it appeared that he had been discovered not long after then, which means he wasn't out there very long at all. Mm -hmm. That could be why he looked so pristine. He hadn't been dead that long. But that leaves us with four days of completely lost time. Right. But then only one day of hair growth. Yeah, beard growth. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of theories as to how Ziggy ended up on that coal pile. Some people think he was abducted and killed by KGB forces, then discarded atop the coal pile. Some people think he was struck by ball lightning, and a passerby attempted to help him, so they saw it happen or just found him on the ground. But they got scared when they realized he was dead, and they tried to relocate him without identifying themselves. Then in this version of the story, the ointment may have just been like a homemade remedy, which is still weird because, like, why couldn't they tell what it was then? Right. Some think it was a robbery gone wrong because of the missing wallet and watch. Some think he was struck by a train and thrown all the way to the top of that pile of coal. I like that one. Isn't that crazy? I like that one too. And then slimed. Yep, which is quite a shot. (laughs) All of that would be amazing. I hope that's the answer. But the most widely discussed theory in this case and you're never going to believe that I chose the story, is that Ziggy was abducted by aliens.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Right?
0: Many people think he was taken on his way to the shops and brought to an undisclosed location, or like their mothership or whatever, mm-hmm. where the aliens did all the things I'm always terrified of them doing, mm-hmm. like experiments and probably some butt stuff. Some of whatever they did to him could have caused the burning on his head, arms, and torso, it could be argued. It could also be argued that they took hair to study. That's why his hair was cut weird. The aliens also, people say, saw the aftermath was these burns, and so they put the cream on to try and help him out afterwards. That's why we can't identify it, because it's alien goo, and it doesn't exist on this planet. People who support this theory believe that the whole experience was more than definitely harrowing for poor Ziggy, and he eventually died of a fright-induced heart attack, Mm -hmm. hence the face. Yeah. After his untimely death, his undoubtedly onion-headed captors with their awful Mm -hmm. giant black eyes... Returned him to it's Earth. Of you. Listen, gently placing him atop the pile of coal and silently departing this planet back to their own. Sometime after this whole incident, the man who found Ziggy was quoted as saying he witnessed a UFO hovering around his father's coal yard and then zipping away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you guys, that's it. There's no yeah. resolution to the story. I mean, we have a resolution. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. If he
1: was abducted by aliens, he would be dead. So
0: would I. Yeah. The end. <laughs> um, to this day, there's no evidence leading us to what happened to him. Yes, there is. No. <laughs> His watch and wallet were never recovered. they were w- on the ship. Get out of here. There was no DNA to collect and no fingerprints because present. Because the
1: onion heads collected it.
0: <laughs> the fingerprints thing, that's... Pretty fun too because he's like l- literally laying on fingerprinting dust. It's just everything is dusty I, yeah, and there's yeah, nothing yeah. on him anywhere, yeah. which is really interesting. That is really interesting. Alien abduction is actually listed in most sources as the most plausible theory. Yeah. According to historians, because no explanations can even come close to touching it. Except aliens. Listen, <laughs> I hate that, but you know, I'm just giving the people what they want. Let's move on from that. Okay. No more of that. Story number <laughs> two. It was a balmy August afternoon at St. Joseph's Hospital in Houston, Texas. Mm, I love your adjectives. I love adjectives. (laughs) (laughs) They're my favorite. August 16th is the date, to be exact. And apparently I'm just like loving the summer this week because all my stories take place in the summer. So while working may not be everyone's ideal way to spend a summer afternoon, at least the hospital was air conditioned, elevator number 14 had been out of service for a few days, which was a stupid inconvenience, but everyone made it work. On this particular day, 35-year-old surgical resident Dr. Nakaido and physician's assistant Karen Steinau were waiting for the elevator. Dr. Nakaido was on one side of the broken elevator and Karen was on the other. Both had pressed the button to go up. Karen's side was the first to ding. And elevator number 14 had opened its doors and the out-of-service sign was gone. Great, right? Yeah. Okay, everything is good. Everything seemed to be on the up and up. Karen entered the elevator and pressed the button for her floor. Just then, Dr. Nakaido called out to Karen, oh, hey, is it fixed? While walking towards elevator number 14. Karen called back from inside the elevator, I guess so, and Dr. Nakaido rushed over to the elevator just as its doors were beginning to close. Now, anyone who has ever been in an elevator will know that normally just putting your arm in between the doors will hit a sensor that makes them open right back up. Right? That's how elevators work. But not this time.
1: No. This no.
0: elevator was out for blood. No sooner had he leaned into the door frame than it snapped shut no trapping the doctor's <gasps> neck between the closed doors oh my god And no, <gasps> the elevator then began its no. ascent this
1: is my worst fear this, well not worse but this is one uh, of them it's pretty bad
0: <laughs> all the while karen stood trapped inside the elevator <sighs> screaming for help and watching the look of panicked <laughs> horror on Dr. Nikaido's face. Okay,
1: that's my worst thing. <laughs> it
0: gets worse. Seeing the one watching it happen. I know. <laughs> usually, it's okay. He had a shirt on Wait, that what's said, her I eat babies. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> what was her name again? Karen. Oh my God. It's so a fucking
0: Karen. It's is a Karen in there. Watching his. <laughs> yep. Now, usually, there is a mechanism in the elevator that won't allow the doors to lock closed with something in the middle either. So there's a two-fold system on most elevators. There's that one, and then another one that will not let the elevator go up to the next floor if something is disturbing the seal between them. Yeah. So really, you're supposed to, it's supposed to be pretty fail-safe. You're not supposed to be able to get caught in one. But not this one. There are several levels of precaution normally in place for very good reasons, but elevator number 14 didn't give a shit about all of that and shot up with no regard for the blockage in its door, slowly decapitating Dr. Nakaido in the process oh while God. a traumatized Karen looked on in horror at the slowly detaching head of her colleague oh yep and it was probably just peeling away on the inside the just stomach. blood running down the doors mm-hmm. that's so horrible but- the doctor's body dropped to the floor on one side of the elevator and the top portion of his head from the mandible also known as the jaw up Dropped with a wet thud onto the floor of the elevator at Karen's feet. just like, whack. And it's like looking at her. (sighs) Then elevator number 14 stopped between floors. So she's stuck there with it now. It's doors defiantly
1: remaining (sighs) shut.
0: She should have
1: asked for the manager. She should have.
0: <laughs> Karen was trapped in the elevator with three quarters of Dr. Nakaido's head for over an hour. Oh my God. Did you start to smell? Not yet, probably. While the fire department came to her rescue. I imagine she was like slowly losing her grip on reality. <laughs> Do no he, he was like good looking, though? Was it, I don't like know. a nice face to look at at least? There's no pictures of him. Mm. He was thir- he was a 35 year old surgical resident, so maybe. I bet you. Yeah, I bet you had.
1: He probably had a nice jawline. Not anymore. This is sad. Not great. Yours are really sad. I know. Like, people are dead.
0: When they (laughs) finally got to her, Karen was taken straight to the emergency department where she was treated for shock. Yeah. I can't imagine she ever got over that. You're just haunted for life. That's your life. You can't work anymore. No, you can't recover. That's disability right there. There's no going back. Karen talked to all the (laughs) matches. Like, I'm not going back. I was in the elevator with a head. <laughs> and everyone was just like, oh, yeah, you win. It's fine. We can't. Fine. No arguments. Later, experts would determine that the elevator's faulty wiring had never been repaired. Someone simply removed the out of service <gasps> sign. Mm-hmm.
1: I bet you it was Karen. <laughs> she's like, I ain't got time for this. It's fine.
0: She was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's fixed. Yep. And it's that day, it decided to respond to the call. And that's it.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yep. Uh, (laughs) Can you imagine? I'm never getting in an elevator again. I already don't like elevators. They kind of, like, freak me out. I'm afraid of getting stuck in an elevator. That's my fear. Yeah. But on the TV shows, good things always seem to happen. Like, yeah, you can meet somebody great. But anyway, so here's my third story. Okay. Okay, so my third and final story, still in the summertime. Uh, This time, our event takes place on July 22nd, and we are in St. Petersburg, Florida, and nothing normal ever happens in Florida. No. So strap in. That's
1: my other two truths and a lie. It was all Florida cases.
0: Oh, I don't remember that one. I do. Fun. (laughs) Well, Florida, Florida, man. So for anyone who has ever been to Florida, you know that July is pretty beastly hot. It's not very nice there. We're East Coasters over here, so everything's humid, too. It's a delight, really. (laughs) Yes, truly nice to live in a boiling swamp. We love it. (laughs) Um, Melissa Reeser lived in a small home by herself. Melissa was a 35-year-old realtor who had done pretty well for herself in life, or realtor, as the world decided to start pronouncing it 10 years ago. Right. When I was kids, they were realtors, and now they're realtors. Yeah. We took out that syllable. We said, it's not in the word. I know, but so many people correct you when you say it Mm -hmm. wrong. Well, however you want to say it, that's what she was. And she had done pretty well for herself in life. So she's like, you know, selling some big money homes in Florida, doing good. She was also well known to her neighbors. So this is not a John List situation. She had a tight knit family and she was friends with everybody around her. So things are pretty good for Melissa. On the afternoon in question, Melissa's neighbor, Nicole, had mistakenly received a package addressed to Melissa, and so she headed across the street to deliver the package herself. Nicole noticed that Melissa's car was parked in the driveway, so she figured she must not be working that day, and perhaps maybe the two of them could go out for lunch and pass the afternoon together. Plus, she probably was like, I wonder what's in this package. It was, I want to know. It was delivered to my house. So instead of leaving it on the doorstep, I'll knock and wait. (laughs) Yeah. By the time Nicole made the short way across the street, she was already sweating. She knocked on the front door, noticing that even to just knock on it, it felt a little hot. Mm. Yeah, maybe too hot. After a couple rounds of knocking with no response, Nicole went to see if the door was unlocked. She and Melissa were pretty friendly. As I said, she's buddies with a lot of her neighbors, and Nicole was concerned. So if she just walked in the door, it wouldn't have been like horrible. She grasped the knob but quickly withdrew her hand in pain because the doorknob was burning hot. Oh no, is there a fire? Let's find out. Nicole immediately did what she was supposed to do and called the damn cops. Well, she called 911, but the catchphrase still works. They, however, sent the fire department as well. Clever 911, Mm -hmm. hot doorknob, probably should send the fire, guys. Yeah. The whole situation was incredibly curious as there seemed to be a fire, but also there was no smoke, Mm -hmm. no smell, and no flames. Oh, wild. Yeah, so what on earth is going on in there? It just turned into an oven? I don't know. Somebody, like, heated the... There was, like, a home alone moment. Kevin yeah. Callister is in there with, like, one of those heating elements yeah. on the door. <laughs> oh, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was just a wild little lady. <laughs> I don't know. how to I don't finish know. that sentence. The fire department arrived shortly after Nicole placed her call, so they weren't far away, and immediately knocked the door down. What was on the other side would be stranger and more horrifying than any of them had ever imagined. Aliens. No. You only get one alien story. All right? <laughs> there on the couch was a smoldering pile of ashes. One leg completely untouched with the shoe still on the <gasps> foot and one long bone. It seemed to be lying in a place where an arm may have been located at one point. And the rest of the home was untouched. Okay. In fact, the couch hadn't even been damaged outside the perimeter of where Melissa had appeared to have been sitting. So it's just this, like, black charred like, grossness on the couch. And then everywhere else is normal. Once again, what the hell happened, right? Right. Nicole was horrified because, obviously, she went in after the police thinking she was going to find her friend, like, dropped a cigarette or something. and, Mm -hmm. And then she found this. You never anticipate finding this. No. Had someone broken in and weirdly killed her friend? Was there a fire that somehow didn't spread beyond this, like, very small location? Had a murderer tried to cover their tracks by burning the body extremely efficiently? It all seemed too much to believe. Melissa's remains, what was left of them, so, like, the leg and the bone, were taken to the medical examiner and investigators combed her house for clues. Through speaking to friends and family, detectives found out that Melissa had been at work the previous day. She went into the office in the morning and then showed a couple houses in the area to a couple separate interested parties so they can trace all of her locations, all these people back it up. And after work, she went to the gym. There's video of her, like security footage of her entering and exiting the gym. And then she went home, after which time she was never seen again. So they found her phone and text messages on her phone revealed that she had texted a friend in the evening and during the exchange, she had mentioned that she was enjoying a night in, drinking some wine and watching movies. I fucking wish. That sounds great. I want that night so bad. And everything seemed normal. That's not like a weird unhinged thing to do. No. She had a pretty normal day. And there were no signs of a home invasion. Remember, they had to break the door down. It was still locked from the inside and no struggle or what they could tell. No one seemed to want to do Melissa any harm. She didn't have any like recent breakups or enemies or family feuds, nothing, just nothing. Medical examiners noted that upon her arrival to the morgue, the internal temperature of her remaining leg was unbelievably high. Her blood alcohol content was also high, But then again, we already knew that she had been drinking wine. So this isn't like, oh, no, she's a shocking surprise drunk. She just had some wine that night. right? No accelerant was found on the body. So nobody had like thrown lighter fluid on her or something and lit her on fire. None were on the couch. None was on the carpet or on the coffee table. So it was proven that Melissa was most likely not torched post-mortem. She was a known smoker. As I said, like, they thought maybe she dropped a cigarette. So they do still suspect that a cigarette was to be caused for whatever. However, this little fire's burned. Right. They think like, a cigarette started it. nothing else is burned. No, just her. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it didn't add up. If Melissa had fallen asleep with a lit cigarette and yeah. dropped it from her hand, that would light the whole couch on fire. Yeah. Or it would have caught, like, carpets or or papers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um... But there was no real damage to the rest of the house. And the human body does not generally ignite like a Roman candle in a trash can. So why did Melissa? Because she just did. It was aliens. Mm, Because she was a Roman candle in a trash can with a t-shirt on that said, I eat babies. (laughs) Nom, nom, nom. Mm. (laughs) She was secretly a goose. (laughs) (laughs) There was only one solution the coroner could think of. But it's not going to be a solution anybody wanted to believe or anybody liked. Yeah. Spontaneous human combustion. I mean, that's the only answer here. Yes, and this is everybody's like favorite urban legend, a phenomenon rarely seen and even more rarely documented. There's only a very, 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 very few cases of this. Mm-hmm. And this would mean that by some chemical chain of events, Melissa had spontaneously burst into flames that rapidly consumed her, took her life, and burned out. Right? As predicted, The police were not really into this as a valid explanation. They're like, I feel like this is not true. Please try harder. But the medical examiner pressed on, asking for more details about Melissa. He's like, okay, fine. What were her eating habits like? How often did she drink? Did she take any drugs? Did she take any medicine? I mean, like recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. And then did she take any medication? Was she on vitamins? Did she take supplements? Did she use essential oils? Tell me about what goes into this body. So they ask around. And a break comes in the case when a friend casually mentions that Melissa's eating habits were rather precise, as she had been on a ketogenic diet for some time. Mm. The diet had proved effective in weight loss for her, and so she had maintained it very strictly. And anybody who does keto, and you Leslie, because you are pretty knowledgeable in this stuff, know that you're not supposed to like stay on it forever. Yeah, you have to do like cycles. Yeah, you of can't things. just maintain it for like years and years without breaking it. Right. You're really not supposed to. So, not only that, but according to her friends and the text messages, she was known to enjoy more than one glass of wine every night after work. Nothing extreme and no harm, no foul. You can come home, sit on your couch, and drink a couple glasses of wine without being like a problem. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. But it turns out that this was the key to everything. The medical examiner explained that hot smoke from the cigarette had ignited an excessive amount of acetone that had accumulated in her body because eating keto. For too long, as we said, puts your body in a state of ketosis, which is not good for your kidneys. This is not meant to be a forever lifestyle change. Merely a limited time diet, or like you said, a cycle, and that you mm. then take a break from so this kind of shit doesn't happen.
1: Right, like ketosis is healthy to be in, mm-hmm. but you have to like cycle it back out. Like you don't want to be in ketosis constantly. Yeah, it's because, not meant to be
0: maintained, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, you want your body to utilize the ketones mm. rather than peeing them out all the time. Yeah. And no so when you go into no. ketosis too long, you just start peeing them out.
0: Bad, bad scene. Um, so this is not good for your kidneys. Again, as I said, it's not supposed to be a lifestyle change. And extended alcohol abuse can do this to your body as well. And when you're in a state of ketosis, you produce an excess of the extremely flammable acetone, which is essentially propane, under the right conditions guess a human can in fact ignite like a roman candle in a trash can wild no accelerant was needed because melissa was the accelerant like all of her gel nail polish just came off probably (laughs) once she burned out the fire ceased because really it was just burning the chemicals in her body and after the chemicals burned off it was done the rest of the house remained untouched And I bet that medical examiner won an award because holy shit, that is some incredible detective work. Yeah, it's wild. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Okay, that was my third story. So now the time has come for you guys to guess. But before we do so, let's have Leslie just give us a little, like, recap. What were your three
1: stories again? Story number one. Story number one was about the uh, rats Mm -hmm. um, having to go to court for eating the barley. Perfect. Story number two. Story number two was about the Ontario Canadian goose that right. ate, the, that wanted to take that baby. Ah, eat baby. <laughs> <laughs> and story number three? Um, story number three was about Pooh Bear.
0: That's right. And that fabulous music we listened to. Yeah, the uh, Serbian turbo folk music. Turbo folk. Yeah. And in case you need to go back on mine, the first one was about the dead body on top of the pile of coal. Taken by aliens. Yeah. The second one was about the decapitation in an elevator.
1: Also done by aliens to see what would happen if a body got stuck in stop an elevator. It. Or Karen, who took off the sign that said it was, was not
0: working. Karen.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and story number three was that last one about spontaneous human combustion. Which is also an alien thing. Would you please stop it? Which is what happens when you're on a keto diet. <laughs> well, it can under just the right circumstances. <laughs> Okay, so now the time has come for you guys to pause. Hit the pause on your device. Whatever device you're listening on, it's probably your phone. And comment on just the guessing thread. Don't go over to the answers first. No cheating. uh, If you would like to get in the game. So ready? Pause. Okay, welcome
1: back. Hey guys, wow, that was a Uh, while. You guys really took a, you took a really long time to figure that out.
0: They probably took notes and were reviewing them. I would think so. Or they listened to the whole thing over again. That, that would be. Give us the listens. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's find out. You guys think you got it right? Let's see which one. So, Leslie, which one of your stories was the lie?
1: No, you tell me.
0: I think I remember. I think it was the goose. Yes. Yeah. It was the goose. And you know the only indication, because all of your stories are nuts, (laughs) the only reason I knew that last time was because I remember you being like, the loon replaced the goose. And I was like, no, it didn't. (laughs) It did. Did it really? Yeah, that was the fact. That's where I got that from. See, I thought that was the lie. And the rest of it, I was like, I believe this wild baby carrying nuts. No, it did. It really funny. Yeah, that's the provincial bird. Why? Is there a real reason or they just decided? I forget
1: why oh, okay. now at this point,
0: but yeah, because I was looking at
1: like mm-hmm. what the bird was, and I was like, "Oh, this is it!" So there's like specific fact. All there's all those facts in there. That's like a real park that I'm they were in. Very good. There's like a real area like that. Um, yeah, that's what the I gave all the all a the background very knowledge.
0: Good story. Thank you. You did a very good job, and the other two were insane. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to gauge which one of those was a lie. If I had to just, like, base it on ridiculousness level, it would be the fucking rats. It's crazy that that really happened. That
1: that really happened. It's also a drunk history story. Is it? Yeah. I love drunk history. Um, I with it. Um, with Kenneth. <gasps> oh, yay. Yeah, it's really good. He's the lawyer. Yay. Yeah. It's Why so can't okay. We'll think watch it after right this. Now. Oh, yay.
0: I love drunk history. Jack McBrayer, that's his yes. name. I've had a stroke for a minute. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for mine.
1: Mm-hmm. Do
0: you remember which one was the lie?
1: It's really funny because I can tell now more with your writing, but also it's the last one. Yes. Yeah, the combustion yeah. one. But, people
0: but don't... I fooled so many people last time. Yeah. So
1: I know a lot more about keto now. That would not happen.
0: That's really funny. There'd
1: be a lot more people that would self-combust at this point too because they yeah. do go into ketosis longer. But also, because there really isn't, there's like, not like real cases, but like, like I've heard of cases, but I, I don't know that well, they're real. Well, this is real. based on a
0: real case. Yeah. this is, it's, It was an older man, and they did find that exact scene, except for he was up in his bathroom, where it's just a leg. one. An yeah. There's one on a couch, too, but like this 100%, the way it looked upon entrance mm-hmm. happened, where it's like, there's a scorch mark, and everything else is fine. Right. What happened yeah and it's a similar i don't remember because i researched it so long ago but it's not precisely what i wrote but it is similar where Mm -hmm. his body had specific conditions wherein he had created these volatile chemicals Mm -hmm. and um i don't think it was like this this hot smoke from a cigarette it was like something else that ignited it but he just ended up going up in like a chemical fire basically right and so while it's not spontaneous the like event is the right, same right. so there are a lot of things in there that are pretty specifically yeah real and i researched the shit out of it like, what gases can your body
1: produce that are flammable i know i remember you putting so much effort into I that did. one and that's why it got me cuz i was just like oh she got real scientific with this
0: true everybody thought it was the elevator one was fake that shit is real yeah. that happened yeah What?
1: That is so traumatizing. Isn't it? Just thinking of Karen is the worst part of that story.
0: Karen in there, the head staring up at her. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. That was fun. I hope you guys all took a minute to like guess and have fun with it. Yeah. We had fun writing them. That one was really fun. That campfire was really fun, too. We did this one like In the height of lockdown. So Mm -hmm. it was like September. None of the kids had gone back to school. It was like this time where we were all like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do with our lives? Right. So it was really fun connecting with a lot of you guys. Well, a lot is a relative term. I don't think most people have heard them before. But, you know, Mm -hmm. some of you did. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed them. Yeah. We hope we fooled you. We do hope we fooled you. We tried really hard. So,
1: toast.
0: Toast. To, um, what do you want to toast to? The Canada Goose. Majestic creature. Yeah. To the Canada Goose. Uh, anything else? To Karen. To poor fucking Karen. Real Karen. Yeah. Oh, no. That was a good glass tonight. I know. To, um, to to Serbian turbo folk music? Yeah. Why not, right? Okay. Yeah. I think that's it for this week. Okay. Everything else is either fake or didn't do something honorable. Oh. Yeah. 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 So I hope you guys enjoyed Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, And if we were forced to play icebreaker games at a party instead of drinking wine on a sofa like we wanted to,
1: we would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode, rate and review our show on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at wouldbedeadpod, and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more.
0: (laughs) I surrender, you guys. This is not my baby. (laughs) I thought I might get away with it.